0: Welcome to the 78th episode of the Manor Podcast. I'm your co-host, Roger Bodie, joined as always with my best friend and other co-host, Michael Hamilton. Michael, we're staying true to our word and never talking about flesh and blood ever again, and it's time to talk about the hot new game, Alpha Clash. Who cares about that old game? That's old news, baby. This is the future.
1: Yeah, I... I- I don't think that's true. I think we're just waiting a week for all the spoilers to come out before we really dive into the flesh and blood stuff. Since right now we're kind of in like a limbo state where we're going to record the episode and by the time it goes live, there's going to be a bunch more spoilers that we didn't talk about. So we might as well just wait another week and then do it next week.
0: Hmm. So you're saying we didn't convince our also mutual good friend, Dan, to also abandon flesh and blood (laughs) in our pursuit of Alpha Clash glory?
1: Uh, I don't know, Dan. Are are uh, Are you leaving flesh and blood forever to pursue Alpha Clash? I'm leaving Flesh and Blood
2: exactly until heavy hitters, spoilers, are finished. Yeah, that's fair. So like two
0: days. (laughs) (laughs) It's Monday the 15th right now. We have like a handful of common token spoilers and not really much else to talk about. So yeah, we're going to talk about Alpha Clash and I'm sure we'll have lots of good well, Michael and I, we probably won't invite Dan back. Nothing personal to Dan. But Michael and I will go through all the heavy hitter stuff next week. So uh, I guess just jumping into it. Well, Alpha Clash is a new game and there's going to be graphic novels. And I believe they've announced a pro tour in December. Uh high level summary is there's five colors. You know, you got your standard red, black, white, Wooberg, uh white, blue, black, green, red. And it has the Kaijuu or dual master system where every card in your deck is also a resource. You just use it as a resource. You put it down and then it's that color of resource. And you start with like a little, uh, not a commander and not a hero, but you start with a contender, which has a color identity. And then you play cards and you clash your contenders together with your mighty decks. So that's kind of the game in a nutshell. And if you want more details, I'm sure there's a lot of great learn to play content out there. But that's not particularly what this video is about so what is this video about we're just going to give our uh initial impressions Our kind of we're not none of us are experts in this game by any stretch of imagination it's pretty new the second set i've been playing for like two or three weeks yeah i learned how to maybe like 12 total games i learned how to play with zach bunn in the columbus realm rumble but since then i think i've played like six constructed games now so yeah The new limited set's coming out, I think, next month, and that's probably when Michael and I will dive in because we love playing sealed. So I guess the first card, first color we'll talk about, we'll start with red. Red's usually the most straightforward, beat-em-up aggressive color. And this is an example of a contender where you see this contender starts with 25 life in the upper corner. And then all the contenders have an ability uh, that with their starting life threshold. So once per turn, Machina Savage Striker. Uh, Once per turn during your primary phase, you may engage. Engage means tap this card to send a non-trap accessory control into oblivion your graveyard if you do deal 2 damage to target contender or clash card and then draw one card and then once you get him down to 15 life uh whenever an accessory control is sent to your oblivion for play target clash card is like a battle creature uh gets plus 1 plus 1 until on the turn so uh you want to blow up artifacts deal your opponent damage and battle with guys so i think this is pretty uh straightforward for what red's identity usually is in games right I I wouldn't say. I think he's a little tricky, actually.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I was going to say the same thing. I wouldn't say it's completely straightforward. He like, so non-trap accessories, basically artifacts for magic. They can be equipment that sit there and you put on guys and they do things or they can just be like little like trinkets that have like effects when they enter or when they leave or an activated ability. But anyway, it seems like you kind of want to build this guy with like a decent number of cheap accessories that you can throw at things and draw cards with them. If you can get enter the battlefield or leave the battlefield abilities, that's extra good. And then, yeah, if that's that. For his first ability is definitely what you want to focus on. And the second ability, it's nice that you can kind of pump your guys when you get lower, but that doesn't seem like as important as dealing damage. There's also an interesting mechanic in Alpha Clash where damage that happens from fighting is healed after the fight, but damage from non combat sources does not heal until the end of the turn. So Two little minions can't really both attack a big minion to take it down, but you could throw an artifact and then attack it with a little minion to kill it with with Machina.
0: Good point.
2: Yeah, that's where the nuance comes in, I think. And like, there's a ton of one cost accessories. So he has this like built in play pattern of convert a single resource into two damage in a new card, which I think is super strong. Um, Because it's one of those games where you want to play like everything on curve, right? Because you have, you go up a resource every turn. Um, and him being able to do like something strong off of
0: one resource means you're very flexible. Okay, cool. And I guess uh, you guys were yeah, I think he's sweet. alluding to artifacts that do something when they enter the battlefield or leave play. So shrapnel is just a two-cost artifact or accessory or relic or whatever have you in whatever card game terminology you want to use. And uh, when it enters the battlefield, it deals one damage to target uh, Clash card, which is a creature. And when it leaves play, deal one damage to target contender or player. So, just ping a thing on the way in, ping a thing on the way out, and when you sacrifice it, you can deal the two extra damage from draw the card with Machina's ability.
2: It's just so flexible, right? It's like you can can deal with the hero ability, you can do up to four to a single clash card? No, one to contender. Up to three to a a clash card and one to contender, but then you can also split where the two goes. You could kill two things potentially and ding them for one and I'm sure, I'm guessing you have Scorched Earth in here, but there's cards that let you buff the amount of your non-clash damage, and this card just goes bananas when that's in play.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, this is just kind of, like, his signpost, like, common or, like, staple mm-hmm. card that kind of makes him work and just yeah. kind of... This is his flesh-and-blood weapon. Yeah. <laughs> like you would, if you're if you're playing Machina, you're starting with four shrapnels in your deck, more than likely, is what I, is what I would assume, at least. All righty. Cool. So now... I'll move on to a different red card. So this guy is a little bit different. So Torque, uh, redirecting damage. He's a uh, Clash card, so this is a creature. He costs two. Uh, trigger defeat, so when his health is reduced to zero, you draw a card. Uh, when this card is uh, obstructing, obstructing is blocking. By one or more of your opponent's Clash cards, increase the attack of the power equal to the total attack part of all cards obstructing it. So what do you guys think about this card?
1: This card doesn't come across as that strong to me. I think trigger defeat stands out to me as being a lot worse than just when it would die you draw a card because there are lots of ways to destroy or send things to Oblivion without actually dealing the damage to reduce their health. And then two mana for... Wait, is that
2: not not the same trigger? I thought it was. Do I not know the rules?
1: uh, Maybe I'm wrong, but my understanding is when you send a card directly to Oblivion, (laughs) it doesn't trigger its defeat. Uh-oh. Maybe Yeah, yeah.
0: The health has to okay. be reduced to zero really? by either damage or minus X effects. Yeah. Oblivion <laughs> said. Okay, back. I
2: need to read the rule book. I was told if you go to oblivion, you've basically been defeated. But surely there's a, a, an actual rule. I'll trust you guys on this. A,
0: a clash card is considered defeated if its defense is reduced by zero by any means. I have the comprehensive rule book up over here just exist because I knew you'd <laughs> have these kinds yep. of questions.
1: Okay. So <laughs> sorry. sorry, sorry I didn't interrupt so, you, so Michael. You so are- that and then being obstructed like yes it can happen but this guy is just a one two you don't really need to obstruct him he's only going to hit something for one most of the time (laughs) you can but and he'll get buffed so you can block it with something uh, obstruct it with something that's like has two power and more defense than two and just kill this thing for free um you can also just really i feel like it's basically because of how some of the cards in the game are that you can get similar effects for one mana this card just seems a little pricey at two for a one two that only draws a card when it's defeated
2: i do think he's the only one in red if i remember correctly um like it's a common concept in this game like you're saying like there's a lot of one cost and two cost clash cards that draw a card eventually hopefully um so it's like early game you have these like little blocker guys that maybe chip for a damage but then eventually they go back to your hand and now they're a resource so you can play like your your four or five and six drops and i think he's the the lowest cost red card that says draw a card I could be wrong, though.
1: I would believe that. I have not gone deep
0: into the card pool yet.
2: I think that's why we see this card in a lot of lists, just because he's the cheapest red card that says draw card. And that play patterns is pretty good.
0: Yeah. And to be fair, uh, not every single card I have that I want to talk about is like necessarily an all star. I kind of put a mix of what I think are like maybe mopey or just regular old average cards, why they're average, like our thought process, just kind of overall in like uh how we look and evaluate cards especially in a new card game i thought might be interesting so i guess maybe i should have gone into that a little bit more detail at the beginning but you know here we are <laughs> yeah
1: I, I do think
0: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i think this card will be replaced eventually yeah that's fair like to michael's point there's a one cost in white with the same stat line and you just draw a card when you play it like surely that's way better
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's definitely or, better t- there's a black one mana one one that just draws a card with it enters yeah this card is not mopey from what for at least in my opinion so this is uh like a action which is like a sorcery or just a regular old spell you would cast in a game it's called here comes the boom it costs four uh, and it deals five damage to all clash cards so five damage to all creatures there's just a board wipe kind of a staple in all card games clean up all the little idiot kind of cards so what do you guys are you guys happy to see these kinds of effects in card games
2: This card is actually the reason I started playing Alpha Clash. I was watching Team Covenant and they did the the Torg, here comes the boom combo. I was like, I want to do that. Uh, And then I never built the deck that does that, sadly, because I opened like seven Torgs and only two booms. Um, You know, I think having board wipes is probably good for the game. In this game, it's interesting. I don't think we said it yet, but when you play Clash cards, you can attack the turn you play them um so it creates this dynamic where you're trying to just like two for one your opponent and like stay proactive and attacking um which means like if you're ahead and here comes the booms like kind of awkward unless you have like exactly torque um so it doesn't seem like unbalanced or anything like that to me um uh, it's very powerful though and like if you're playing against red is something you have to keep in mind
1: for for our listeners and definitely not for me what is the the torque combo
2: <laughs> okay so yeah i don't see a tab for him so he's a uh, one resource one two Uh, he says when he's dealt non-clash damage instead of taking damage he gets plus one plus one for each damage so this gives him plus five plus five and i think he also says if he's given if he's taken five or more non-clash damage he gets um what's it called breakthrough thank you
1: okay so it's it's basically a one drop that you combine with this and it's a six seven that turn
2: it's a wipe the board attack for a six yeah
1: this is powerful
2: if you wait until turn five but if you slam it on turn one it's kind of like a must kill card because there's other like ways to pump him um so it's just like a super disruptive card and then if it's not dead and on turn four you just like
0: get insane value yeah he is a little bit more difficult to kill than some cards because obviously if you have a card like shrapnel or just a card that deals direct damage that's not actually a way to kill that card that just bumps him up and makes him mad and you just wasted a card
1: <laughs> is the strat growth permanent or just a end of turn End the turn I do want to
0: mirror what Dan said a little bit about,
1: since a lot of the creatures, they have uh, haste, quote-unquote. They get attacked attack the turn. You, the clash cards get to attack the turn you play them. I think that this card is weaker than something like Wrath of God would be in Magic, where you are playing things to the board, and then the turn that you play something, it doesn't do anything. It just kind of sits there, and then the next turn it can attack. But um, that that just makes like this slower, uh, regular speed removal a little bit weaker than it would be in like magic for example but still cool to have a a board sweeper keep uh kind of a check for go wide decks
0: yeah and importantly this is dealing damage right so it's not like the wrath of god effect where it's just destroying everything so if your opponent's playing something with uh you know six or more toughness they can just live through this or if you're playing bigger creatures so it's not just a universal you know catch-all but i think it's definitely nice for card games to have effects like these to keep like the aggro weenie decks in check so just was happy to see an effect like this here yeah there's a
2: really strong token deck right now that this helps clean up cool
0: so moving on we're uh, gonna move on a little bit from red and go on to our first white contender uh so this is just in contrast uh, conquest the indestructible so Makana we saw started with 25 life this guy starts with 30 so you get five extra starting life and he kind of demonstrates that there's these symbols in the bottom of cards uh that de- denounce like their affinity or allied or what type of card they are and so this guy basically says i don't know what the name of that symbol is but that dragon knight symbol uh <laughs> cards you get get uh trigger victory so when they kill another clash card in combat you may tap your commander if you do, or contender, uh, you, if you do draw a card. And during your turn, uh, conquest clash cards uh, get plus one plus zero. So that's another interesting thing. So there's contenders that are these hero cards, but then there's also creatures that are that contender that you would then also summon. So then you have conquest, uh, contender next to conquest, the 2-3 next to conquest, the 6-6, six, six, and you can just have a board and con- conquest all the way down. And then once he gets uh, to 10 or below, he gets the effect of once per turn during your primary phase, you may engage target Clash card you control. If you do uh, engage target Clash card, you don't control. So you tap one of your weenies and tap down their big thing and you you jam. So kind of a straightforward beatdown guy, I would say, right? Yep, agreed. I wish
2: these um like 10 health abilities happened a lot sooner. Uh, like in this game, by the time you're at 10 health, it's so easy to deal more than 10 damage in a single turn. It's like those abilities are really like once per game.
1: It does seem kind of weird that this aggressive contender has 30 health and then his ability to really push damage and start killing creatures doesn't really come online until he's down to 10 health. It seems hard to do that. So based on our conversation about trigger defeat earlier, trigger victory is... Does it have to be through combat, or if you have a clash card with an ability to do damage, would that trigger this also?
0: We'll check the comprehensive handy dandy comprehensive re- rule book.
1: Okay. That was I feel like that was more than I needed, but so only combat damage. So this is something that like a lot of decks can probably just kind of not really. Interact with this that much? Maybe they're just like playing creatures to block or clash cards to block, playing little more defensively, or even not playing that many clash cards to the board. I could see at heart being pretty difficult to trigger this ability too often during a game. So I think a lot of this guy's power level is going to depend on how good the second part of the first ability is during your turn. Conquest clash cards you can draw get plus one plus zero. Oh. If there's a lot of like good at rate or above rate conquest clash cards, then he should be solid. Otherwise, I think this guy's kind of not great yeah
2: i agree and i think right now there aren't there's like two that i've seen a lot of decks and i think i'm just bad at the game but i just never enjoy them there's like a two cost that gets to attack twice and then a four cost that engages surely the four cost is great in this deck because he one thing we didn't mention yet is that you can only attack clash cards if they're engaged or tapped um which is if you could attack clash cards this card would be nuts with his first ability but you have to get them engaged somehow Um, which naturally does happen so i i think he's got potential i don't think he's good right now based on what i'm seeing but i think he could be in the future like michael's saying if we get even just like one or two more really good clash or conquest clash cards rather
0: so it's interesting once you play a lot of card games what you see the parallels between and historically in magic the gathering white has kind of been like not a very strong color overall and kind of lacking identity and I kind of get the sense of white in this game the more i read through white's card pool i'm just like why what is this color providing or doing that other colors aren't doing better so maybe it's just about
2: the one cost haven
0: yeah i guess like but even then there's a bunch of other one cost guys that are just also very good so i don't know but we're gonna we're gonna piece it together we're gonna try to figure out some good white cards while we're on that we're gonna talk about the portal So this is a Conquest Clash card, which is uh, Conquest the Domineer. It costs 1. It's a zero two. And once per turn, during your primary phase, you may engage this card to activate the portal. So uh, the portal is basically a day-night mechanic, or the static effect that's always present in the game. And a lot of cards in the second set say, if the portal is open, do x. And then some cards will say, if the portal is closed, do y. And any player may also spend two generic resources anytime any time to open or close the portal. And I hate this mechanic and it's very <laughs> annoying. <laughs> what do you guys think about the portal? Starting with Michael.
1: About the portal in general, I haven't played enough with it to have strong opinions on it. It's just kind of like this thing that you can pay a resource to open or close. I don't, some cards care about that. It doesn't. I haven't seen a clash card that has like a static ability that's affected by it, which would be the most interesting, I think, because then your opponent can like close the portal on their turn to turn off your static ability. It's all I've seen is like these single-use cards that have an effect if the portal's open, so you just always open the portal before you play the card or don't play the card if the portal's closed, and that doesn't seem particularly interesting. Where a static effect, it leads to interesting spots for your opponent to make a choice. But that said, this card, I think this card sucks because <laughs> <laughs> it is a zero for two. Or zero two, so it has no attack. Um, I guess it is a conquest, so it synergizes with the the contender conquest guy. But I don't really want to spend a resource and a card to open the portal. When I get to spend two resources and no card to open the portal, um, most of the cheap creatures can. A lot of the cheap content, or a lot of the cheap clash cards. I'm trying to get my terminology correct. <laughs> a lot of them have good uh, end of the battlefield abilities or abilities that are pretty useful this this one you can play it you can immediately engage it to open the portal and then it's just going to be vulnerable because it has no attack and then it's engaged so your opponent can just attack it with their clash cards so a lot of the time you'll get a few life out of the deal and get the portal open and spend a resource to do that and that a resource and a card to do that and that doesn't seem worth a card to me what about you dan
2: i think the card does its role well um whether that's good enough or not i'm not sure like uh, most one and two costs plays are one attack, two health, uh, clash cards. Um, so if you're like a slower, more controlling deck trying to play for like game, like this will buy you a couple points of health. Uh, and if you care about the portal, this is the lowest cost way to open the portal. Um, not the strongest card that opens, but for one mana, that's the cheapest you can do. And yeah, it costs a card, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, I think I agree. If, if there's like a conquest deck that cares about portal, that's the best use case for sure um i haven't seen this in action too much but i think it, it has some uses i think the number one portal card that you need this type of effect for is the warhorn uh basically it's a bitter blossom it makes a token at the end of your opponent's turn if the portal's open um so this card like deactivating the portal and blocking could be good enough i don't know i'm kind of with you i wish i said draw a card yeah
0: and i guess Going back at like a higher level of why I dislike the portal mechanic, let's say you and I are both playing 50 cards. Neither of us have a single card in our entire deck that even cares about the portal. It's still there, and you and I can still spend two resources for whatever reason we want on our turn to either open or close the portal. And I just dislike static game effects that are present needlessly, or I guess add an extra layer of complexity that it doesn't seem strictly necessary for effects like this. Like there's other ways to effectuate kind of like these dynamic effects if condition X or Y is present or things like that. And uh, it's just an extra thing. Players then also have to keep track of it at all times. And then I can see game States being like, well, is the portal open or closed?" where it's just like, no, I forgot to flip the portal. I, I paid the resources last turn, but you know, the port I, I meant to flip the portal, but I didn't flip <laughs> the portal, but the portal actually closed right now. I know it's on the open side, but you know, I would like, and uh, just things like that i can see happening so uh i don't know i don't like portals <laughs> I, I think in, in my
1: opinion if they have a lot of cool cards designed around the portals then like it's probably worth the complexity creep and like the the tracking issues and like if the if the cards designed around it, if it unlocks really cool design space and like i think it's worth paying the cost but we'll have to see some of the portal cards before i can really give a strong opinion on that
2: i was gonna say, I think the implementation is pretty well done from what i've seen but i'm i'm on board with roger that i don't like having this thing to manage <laughs> to keep track of um but i i do think the the cards that care about the portal are like some of the cooler cards in the game
0: yeah and i'm thinking about like future proofing a bit so does this mean like the portal mechanic will be present in like every subsequent set going forward or is this like a mechanic that was unique to this set and then we'll come back intermittently but then in two or three sets from now there will be the wormhole mechanic and the wormhole always just flips automatically and it's just like there's portals and wormholes and (laughs) do we know if there's a rotation (laughs) in this game i have no idea (laughs) because
2: i would think it's based on that right like whatever this rotation cycle is they'll probably be portal cards until they rotate out and then no more maybe yeah that would make sense
0: i
1: don't
2: know
0: yeah, I guess we will have to see. Before we move into black cards, I wanted to talk about this sweet card. Which, this is a good one. Which is, uh, I think this is the only two-color card in the game at the moment. If I'm not, I could be wrong about that, but there's definitely not a lot of these, if this is not the only one. Uh, and this is called Clarity Harbinger of Death. So it is a black-white card, so you need one black resource and two white resources of the six to play it. Uh, It has this first keyword up here called unrivaled. So you only get one card with unrivaled in your entire main deck and side deck. And if you have this card, you can't put any other unrivaled cards in your deck. So this is the only card of this this type. They're super special, super rare, and usually super powerful. Super broken. (laughs) Yeah, we can see there's about five more paragraphs of text I have to get through on this card real quick. Uh, trigger when it enters and uh, each opponent sends a clash card they control into oblivion so everybody so each of your opponents has to sacrifice uh, a a guy Uh, while this card is tapped it can't be sent to oblivion by an opponent's uh, effect card it can't be defeat it can be defeated by like damage and stuff like that but like you can't just like doom blade it or say destroy target uh, clash card on this card uh, while it's tapped and then once during your turn uh when another clash card is defeated or sent to oblivion you may choose one of the following abilities uh your contender gains two health or look at the top card of your deck put it on the bottom or top and then draw a card so and on top of just being a five five so it's just it can't be it's hard to kill it kills one of your opponent's things it gains you life it draws you cards and it's a five five so it seems pretty good it's a good thing you can only have one of this card in your deck
1: yeah so i'm gonna jump back to our earlier conversation this this says when a card is defeated or sent to oblivion so this when it enters your opponent sends something to oblivion and then it's going to trigger that first effect right or that bottom effect right away to either gain two life or draw a card but after opting one so this card seems broken
2: <laughs> yeah and a card is sent to oblivion or defeated every single turn like it's super weird if that doesn't happen
0: yeah because otherwise that means both players are just sitting not playing cards basically almost or just putting a bunch of relics on the battlefield and then you're probably playing a weird machina mirror
2: yeah, because if you're not dealing with your opponent's clash cards, you just die. Like, it's so easy to deal 20 damage in this game. For sure.
1: If if I have a minion that's ready, let's say I have a 5-5 five five that's ready, and you have two 3-3s three that are ready. If I attack, can you double block with both of your 3-3s? Three
0: yeah. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I, that was <laughs> so thought, funny. <laughs> I thought for sure you could double block.
2: Can you not? Uh, I believe you can only obstruct with one. That's It's such a weird dynamic.
1: I, I hope that's accurate. I'm I'm pretty confident because everyone's been playing that way because i played <laughs> everything has haste but i could see double double obstructing clogging up game states a little bit where maybe it's just now, not th- this
2: game ready. has no clog which i think is pretty cool okay it's like surely there's balance issues there but <laughs> like i there's no stalemates in this game you're, you're pressuring the opponent from like turn four every game um but i do think what counters this card pretty well sadly is just any red deck I mean, maybe you don't engage this card And that's how you're supposed to play it. But that's kind of slow. So red's really aggressive. And they're six and seven cost like top end cards. Um, They both have six attack and six defense. So if you attack with this clarity, like it's pretty good. You still get a three for one because you're going to draw a card, kill a thing, play a thing, uh, which is great. But then your opponent gets to attack and just kill it for free. I'd like to for you
0: back. You can you can obstruct with multiple cards because if we read the official definition for obstructing, it's a player's clash cards in the ready position may obstruct an attack targeted at you or another clash card you control by engaging during the obstruct step of a clash. When the obstructors are declared, the attacking clash card is now attacking the obstructors, not the original target of the attack. So you can you can block with multiple things
2: no there's no way
0: (laughs) it would be super weird if you couldn't i feel like
2: i need to start reading the rules for games and not just trusting the first thing that the first person i play with tells me (laughs) um i'm gonna go back and look into this because i have to look at the game completely differently if this is true
1: okay so if in, in this world where you can block with two three threes on the five five if one three three would die the five five would die and the other three three would take two damage then i could see like A game state where you might just not be attacking with everything but if that happens and it's like a separate clash with each of the contenders where you heal back and you do your full damage to it then i guess there'd be no point in double obstructing so that probably just wouldn't be a mechanic i don't know it's it's sometimes sometimes harder to rate cards when you don't actually know all the rules (laughs) i i definitely know the the least i've played the least of s3 i'm just that's why i'm here asking the questions
2: Yeah, but the floor on
1: this card is like a three for one. So it's pretty, it's pretty strong. This, uh, this unrivaled keyword, I, this is interesting because you have these one ofs in your deck that you can, you can only play one, one unrivaled card in your whole deck. You can't play like one of each. It's just one. So with 50 card decks, there's going to be a lot of games where you just don't draw your unrivaled card and your opponent does. I'm not sure I'm a fan of that and just in general. There's a lot of stuff like that, I feel like, that I'm not sure if I'm a fan of.
2: Like, I think I'm trying not to take the game too seriously competitively because that stuff would really bother me. But I think it's fun. Like, sometimes you slam your bomb. Sometimes you have to deal with
0: this crazy bomb. It sounds like we want to talk about everybody's favorite kind of card, then. We're just going to skip ahead a little bit. No. We're going to talk about (laughs) Clash buffs.
2: This is like Duskblade, we made a mistake level so game, I
0: think. a clash buff you only allowed to have four clash buffs in your deck you can't normally can have four of any other card um unless it's unrivaled but you'll get four total clash buffs in your deck and they usually have some kind of restriction on them and so this one is called streaks inbound it costs zero which is a pretty good casting cost for cards usually and you can only play this card if your tender is a blue triangle symbol i think that's alpha and it says, target contender or clash card you control gets plus two, plus two into on a turn, then you may draw one card. So basically, <laughs> it's a combat trick that's free, that gives plus two, plus two, and draws you a card. But it's so much worse than just that. <laughs> yeah, because of the nature of how the, the, this works. So basically, uh, the combat step goes uh, attack. And then blocks or obstructs, and then the attacker has to play an obstruct card or a clash buff up card to one. Up, up to maximum one maximum one one clash buff card, and then defenders can play one clash bluff card, and that's it. There's no responding right. to your defend like if like so if I attack Michael, there's a, there's a special
1: my... window to play clash buff cards. It's not like you play yeah. and then you attack with it
0: yeah nope there's a, there's a very specific combat step
1: and if you use it on defense you just get them you get full information
0: there's no counterplay yeah
2: just, you lose the game haha ha. yeah it's
0: just like oh you, you, so let's say you have a clash buff and i have a clash buff you're attacking and you're like okay i'm not using mine on offense right now I'm like aha i'm using mine on defense you can't then respond with your clash buff that's it you missed your clash buff window and us <laughs> say you play your clash buff and i'm like oh, okay well i'll still lose if i play my clash buff now i'll just hold my clash buff and save it for a better future opportunity
2: but wait there's more the way this works is the buff is for the whole turn mm-hmm. um so there's like the conquest who can attack twice which is pretty good but you play on your contender you have plus two block for the whole turn you're just like time walking and you drew a card and it cost you nothing and like you're not even like having to keep a resource up so your opponent's like oh we might have a clash buff it's like no it's just a surprise you lose <laughs> for zero resources it's so bad yeah. i hate it so much the,
1: the fact that this says action on it i thought at minute was like you had to play it like just during your main phase or during your what is it preparation phase whatever the term is in the game
0: you play it in the super special attack buff combat step on your respective or offense or defense clash buff step
2: mechanically this is like the only thing i would call out from the game everything else works pretty well it's fun it's fluid but this is just like not it
0: i think they learned the lesson on these zero cost ones because in the second set there are and they erraded they erraded
2: So there there were some of these that didn't have the like alpha symbol there. Ah, okay, okay. okay. So they surrounded those. So basically, these are only playable with the the set one contenders.
0: The zero costs. Yeah, I would just ban these cards outright and just say, oops, we made a mistake. Yeah, like these cards are. Or just get rid of the contender line. Like you can't target
2: contender, I think would be okay. Sure. It's still kind of like, why does this card exist? It's just free plus two plus two. Get a new card.
0: I think when they cost one, there's at least counterplay then because you, like if your opponent has one resource up just randomly and they're keeping that one resource up, you're even like, okay, they got that one resource up, and they probably have a clash. buff, how can I play around? And they're not as egregious as like they all have different. Yeah, they should cost now. like two, yeah. And so there's like a real cost to keeping it up, and then yeah, there's a bunch of counterplay to it because I guess when i have talked like we'll get to the problems of this because there's there's only four of these, so it's not like you even want cards that do exist in the game that like specifically interrupt or counter clash buff cards, like putting a specific answer into your deck like that just seems like really poor to me. But Michael, were you going to say something?
1: Yeah. I think also the, these cards kind of have the same issue with the unrivaled thing. We're talking about how good these are. You can only put four clash buffs in your deck, no matter what you can't play like four of two different clash buffs. You have to play four total clash buffs. And I think that's just like when they made it, they knew these clash buffs were really, really powerful and going to be game warping or game very impactful on the game how many you drew and that's why they limited it so i don't want to bash on the game but i'm like why why didn't you just make it no this is the only <laughs> thing that's this is bash yeah this
0: is this is pretty egregious <laughs>
1: like i
2: feel like if your opponent gets more than one more clash buff than you you just can't win the game it feels like a lot of the time which is like why am i playing then
0: yeah and we'll even talk about like the fixed ones real quick so uh this is one of the new one cost ones that i was talking about so you can only play this if your contender is a blue haven Costs one so you have to pay a resource for it but it gets three defense the whole turn and you draw two cards so you're paying one resource drawing two and basically blanking all of your opponent's attacks for the turn or mitigating them by at least three to four damage or four damage because it starts with base one so it's yes. just like, but
2: a lot of the cards in this game are silly like this. Like every card is a two for one. If it's in a deck, a constructed deck, like it, the floor has to be like, this is a two for one or it enables like a three for one down the line. So I think this is like, I, I'm okay playing with these existing. I have no issue. Like sure. The, the way the phase works, I don't like, but I would move on. I have a big problem with the zero cost.
0: Yeah. I also don't like that. It's until the end of turn. Oh, no, This was, this one is not until the turn. This one's until the end of this clash. So this is fixed. So never mind. This is good.
2: Oh, I might have cheated against you. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure I did. You did. It's <laughs> okay. It's like we're all learning. You know, we're all new. Gotta read, read the cards. Read, now. Read, yeah, read. yeah. So I, this card seems fine.
1: Like draw two bananas, but whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. If it's not until end of turn, then yeah, this, card, this cards this just fine.
1: I mean, one cost draw two with any other text on it is too good in general. But this is limited. Still worse than Codex of frailty. <laughs> I I I've complained I about be. Codex of frailty a lot, but. <laughs> I think Codex frailty does have more like setup costs, where like you do have to get your hand empty to get the two for one. Agreed, and then you you have to be happy with the ponder token. Some classes are well, some cl- some cards are better to Arsenal than others, so sometimes the ponder token just gives you like a blue drill shot or whatever. But yeah, Codex frailty messed up. I think Clash buffs also seem very strong. They're limited to four of. There's not much more to say about them. You if you could play more than four of this card, you you would because that's the one cost draw to you
0: for sure, for sure. And then I kind of alluded to this as well. I just thought this card was like cute. It's called Punishment. It costs a green for one. Uh, it's a counter play. So there are like spells that you can play when your opponent does a thing, you get to you get to counter that thing. Uh, you may only play this card when your opponent plays a Clash buff on their turn. So not even on your turn. So if they use it defensively, it doesn't it doesn't even do oh, anything. Huh. Uh, target not attacking Clash card gets minus three minus three until end of turn. So it's just like. Do
2: we know if this happens before the clash buff?
0: Results? Well, it doesn't
1: matter, I think, because it targets a non-attacking clash card, so you can't target the thing they're using the clash oh, buff. Oh, non-attack.
2: On. Well, right. you, you can clash buff a non-attacking clash card as well. Really? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't say attacking. You can just attack and then clash buff whatever you want. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs>
2: yeah, the, I I hope they rework the the clash buff phase.
0: This is uh, this is the area of the game that has the most room for, for some fixing up. And I think people really enjoy the game, and they kind of just like <laughs> deal with the clash buff phase, Like, oh, okay, that sucks, I guess. Yeah, you just kind of chuckle and move on with your blowout and just hope that they don't draw another one of their three remaining. Yeah,
2: because the rest of the game is pretty sweet.
0: Yeah. You just play bombs every turn. So let's move on to some blue cards, if we're talking about some sweet cards. So... This is one of the, the hottest topic from what I can understand in the game right now. Everybody's talking about uh, this little girl named Haven, biding time. She starts with 20 life. This little girl is very frail. She's a frail, very frail little girl. And at the start of the game, you may start with a relic with initial resource cost of two or less in your accessory zone. During your turn, uh, whenever this contender loses health, you may put one collection counter on target relic control. This ability only targets what triggers once per turn. And then once you deal, once you beat up this little girl enough, she goes down to 12 life, and then at the start of your turn, choose an opponent. That opponent reveals a card at random from their hand and puts it at the bottom of their deck. So just once per turn, just get get a card at random out of their hand, and yeah, just, this is just like a blue, controlly, alternate... We'll get to the alternate win condition in a second, but this is like a different take on how to play the game of Alpha Clash. So what do you think about this card, Michael?
1: Ah. Uh. So notably, she does have zero attack and one defense also, which means that her 20 health is a little bit a little bit misleading, where you're going to have to deal more than 20 damage to actually kill her. If you do non-clash damage first, it erases the defense for the rest of the turn. Basically, if you do just attacking her, if you have a bunch of one power guys, you can't do any damage unless you have a way to deal non-clash damage first to get to the defense. So that's noteworthy, I guess. This 12 health ability is really, really strong. Each turn, getting rid of a card from your opponent's hand, that's That's really like just getting rid of one card is pretty powerful. Getting rid of one card every turn, that's going to add up very quickly, and your opponent probably won't have any cards left in their hands soon. the The start of the game with a relic, and whatever you lose health on your turn, lose health on your turn is. You have to really put cards in your deck that do this. So the cards that lose health, make you lose health on your turn. They need to be solid cards on their own to really enable the second ability and the first ability i don't actually know what her backpack thing does so i'm gonna wait for that one before i give a <laughs> give an opinion on the starting with a relic with cost two or less
0: what do you what do you think dan
2: yeah i think she can be pretty strong she's like droma to me or like an illusionist like she is very polarizing matchups because of the alternate win count basically if you get enough counters on a thing you win the game but basically her play pattern is early game you're trying to turbo out counters at the cost of health and then you try to lock your opponent out once you're at 12 by milling their cards and preventing their attacks. This is the card. Once you have 25 at the start of turn you win the game, she has a consistent play pattern to get four counters a turn, so usually looking at the game on turn eight, like start of turn eight. So you just have to survive until then. Um, I'm actually kind of low on her, though, because of the 20 health, and like in red and green specifically, it's very easy to do what Michael said and deal non-class damage or minus her block value for the turn. And then if you chip her, like if you deal 10 damage, she usually can't win the game because she has to like self damage to do her game plan. Right. Yeah. So I think it's, just I think she's like Dromai, like she's going to roll over or I guess more Prism, She's going to roll over the guardians, the slow decks. um, But anything aggressive is I think just going to beat up on her pretty good.
0: So I guess to read this alternate link edition card, it's called heaven's backpack. It costs one, but you're never casting this card. Uh, because it's just starting in play with uh, the hero contender Haven's ability. It's unrivaled, so you don't get any more of these and no more unrivaled cards in your deck. Uh, safeguard, so it can't be the target of card effects or abilities your opponent's control, so you can't just like disenchant it or, or kill this card once it's in play. Uh, at the start of your turn, you put one collection counter on it. On uh, target Relic, you control. I guess you don't have to put it on it, but I don't know why you wouldn't. Then if you have twenty-four or twenty-five or more collection counters, if this card has twenty-five or more collection counters, you win the game. So you want to put twenty-five special counter-dues on this to win the game. If it has ten or more, then your special symboly dues get plus zero plus one. If it has twenty more, they get plus one plus one. Uh but it doesn't matter because you're never attacking. You really just only care about the zero plus one so that they block so your little girl doesn't get beat up as bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if your opponent can't clear like your one and two drop tokens efficiently um those abilities are extremely strong you're basically just like stopping all ground attacks if you go quick enough um but if if they're able to two for one your tokens and then chip you it's like you're kind of
1: screwed or if they play here comes the boom it's also not great yeah that, that makes a lot of sense here comes the boom just sweeping up all your things that you're trying to buff with this i do think it's also notable on her ability the haven herself not the backpack that most most contenders have ways to draw cards built into their ability she doesn't she starts with this backpack so she goes plus one card and this backpack is seems like a really good card but um it does take up your unrivaled slot also so you don't get to play another unrivaled card and she doesn't have a way to draw cards built into her hero or contender
2: yeah yeah i played a couple games with her she actually doesn't have card issues because of how the deck's usually built you're you're like only playing cards that draw cards when you play them which works out. Like all the havens is draw a card when you play them. And then you have the clash buff, which draws two cards. But I, I think it's a fair point. And it also counters her second ability pretty well. By the time you get to your second, your opponent's probably close to being able to dump their hand every turn. So they'll just like do a thing, draw a card, play that card. And then when you go to discard, they'll have no cards
1: anyway.
0: Yeah, because the discard happens at the start of your turn. Yeah, I didn't know very much about Alpha Clash uh, before starting it, but I just remember hearing whispers of the backpacks broken, (laughs) and I would have been severely. uh, It's very strong. I just think it's polarized. Right. Yeah, I would have been less interested in the game if the strategy was actually like unbeatable or like just the actual best thing you could be doing. It's like I think this is not a very healthy thing to be like the de facto best thing like in a game situation because it's just like sitting around doing nothing for this alternate finicky counter win condition doesn't really sound like a game i'm interested in uh but after playing into it a couple times I, I think there is counterplay and i do think like it's not as strong as people were hyping it up today, Yeah, I, I, I do think it might be though i think it was a skill issue when we were playing
2: like i, I think she is a bit like icelander if you play it perfectly it might it might be yeah, i'm
1: definitely interested in working on a, a haven deck she seems uh, uh no like there could be something here but there's definitely <laughs> like some of the contenders that draw cards i'm also interested in building more uh Valuey ones. You
0: know, let's talk about a contender that draws some cards, baby. Let's talk about my favorite contender at the moment. This Pestilence, Prince of Plagues. He also starts with twenty life, but then also has that one defense, so he takes one less damage from everything. Uh his clash ability or his hero ability is at twenty life. When a clash card and opponent controls is defeated during a primary phase. You may engage this card. If you do, draw one card. So you kill one of your opponent's things, and then you draw a card. This, this, so ter- basically turn all of your cards that deal ping or minus into like flame tongue kawus that draw a card. Seems pretty good to me. Seems like a game plan I want to be doing. And then uh, 12 or less, this ability I don't think is as relevant or as good, but uh, once per turn during your primary phase, you may discard one or more cards from your hand. If you do target clash card, it gets minus X minus X until in a turn where X is equal to the number of cards discarded this way plus one. So if you discard one card, it took tr- neg two, neg twos, one clash card, then you could then tap your guy if it kills uh tap your pestilence contender to draw a card to replace that card but like it seems kind of marginal but uh i guess dan what do you what do you think about this controly pestilence contender guy
2: yeah i think his draw should be very consistent which is good i think red is just too good right now for me to like pestilence like i, I think the defense is just going to go away every turn and 20 health versus 25 or 30 against an aggro deck i don't think is going to work out well but I think in a slower meta, maybe I—I I don't know. I wish he had twenty-five health, or he was a thirty without the defense, because I think his ability is sweet. And I think the the pestilence. There's a lot of like um, packages in this in this game where like there's like two amazing pestilence, and there's like probably like four or five total. Um, I think the pestilence package in the deck is like super strong. Yeah, I don't know. I think the build you're playing was sweet, but i I would not play this because I think red is probably the best color right now, and. I think this should get ran over most of the time, but yeah. you would know better than me.
0: I was playing a black green The Rock, just kind of mid rangey, kill some stuff, draw a bunch of cards, play a bunch of dorks, win the game with some bombs in the end game. Like that was kind of the deck I built with this guy. But what do you think, Michael? Yeah.
1: So his first ability is not quite as strong as it looks from reading it. So first, it has to be defeated, which means you can't use like removal that isn't damage based or minus based, and then uh, it says during the primary phase. So it, killing things in combat also won't trigger it that said dan was kind of talking about this earlier there's uh two different pestilence minions one cost one and one cost two that give minus minus two minions and
0: let's let's bring all one right. of those bad boys up now look at this guy this guy's beautiful this is everything i want to be doing in a card you want to read it cost two uh so it's pestilence mayhem maker cost two it's a one one trigger enter target contender so you can shrink a contender's power and toughness with this which is important or clash guard gets minus one minus one it's on a turn and then you draw a card so it just immediately replaces itself and if it kills something with its ability uh then you can then immediately engage the pestilence hero to then draw a second card so you're basically killing hopefully like a small token or something like that keeping the board clean, drawing potentially two cards. And in the end game, once you have, like like I said, these dorks, these one ones. normally you couldn't deal damage to one toughness uh, contenders, or they would deal their one power back to it and killing it. But once you play this guy, all of your dorks are just free to hit the contender as much as possible with basically no repercussion.
1: Yeah, so I guess the biggest thing about these guys is this one uh, can kill something with one one defense and then you can tap your contender to draw a card and this card is quite good on its own um basically two costs for a one one that draws a card with a very meaningful ability on top of that is great yeah
0: i love this card it's one of my favorites
2: yeah card sweet i actually forgot about this one so there's three insanely good pestilence cards i think because the four costs is bananas it uh it basically attacks its powers based on how many cards you have if you have less than three you draw a card which is usually the case when you're attacking with it so you get to like dump all your cards, attack, draw, kill some things, draw. Yeah, I like the green cards a lot, and then you have Kagan at the top end potentially, which is like the set one meme. You just like play Kagan, win game. Sorry to throw another card in there. This is like the staple though. Like I think when I heard of Alpha Clash, I immediately knew who Kagan was.
1: So jumping back to the the green contender pestilence, um, I do think with these with these little pestilence clash cards that are killing opponents clash cards for you outside of combat i think the ability does seem really strong if the i guess you you might need like some life gain or some other way to make sure you don't just die to aggressive decks but i think the power is potentially there being able to draw a card so regularly
0: and then uh this is the last thing i kind of want to talk about which is the last card type that kind of have some major impact in the game, which is these clash grounds. So there's a special zone in the game where only one clash ground could go at a time. If you have a clash ground active, it usually affects everything kind of universally. Um, some of them have static abilities, some of them have enter the battlefield abilities, some of them have leave abilities. But basically if I have a clash ground and then Dan plays a clash ground, my clash ground goes away and then his is active until I play a clash ground and then his goes away and then my new clash ground is active. So it's just t- push and pull on like these kind of affect the whole arena slash battlefield slash whatever kind of effects and i figured i'd start with something simple like the moon where it costs two whenever a clash card attacks and deals clash damage to a contender that card that clash cards controller may draw one card uh and it only triggers with everybody's other favorite mechanic if the portal is open so uh what do you guys think about uh michael i especially want to hear your thoughts i guess real quick on clash grounds
1: yeah, so Clash Grounds is a mechanic that's been done in many, many card games. I think Pokemon has it, Yu-Gi-Oh! has it with their field spells, Pokemon has it with their stadiums. I think even Magic had it with global enchantments at one point, though I think that's long gone. I don't love the play patterns of them where like you want to play some to make sure you can destroy your opponents, but whoever kind of blinks first and plays theirs first is going to get theirs blown up when the opponent plays theirs. It's not my favorite. Favorite play pattern from playing these other games, but um we'll see. I haven't played enough Alpha Clash to really see no have a strong feeling about how it plays in Alpha Clash. I don't know if you want me to talk about the moon specifically. Sure, go for it. Tell <laughs> me about the moon, Michael. Uh it, the moon actually seems solid. It it can trigger multiple times in a turn if you have enough minions to attack uh their person. Maybe you have us maybe you have several one-ones that you haven't been attacking because their contender has one power, so you don't really want to throw them in and have them die but if you have the moon in play maybe now you can just cash a couple of them in to draw some cards so i think it seems reasonably powerful you're gonna want some number of clash grounds to kill your opponent's clash grounds anyway and if you're a green deck that is gonna be flooding the board this seems
0: like a reasonable one to
1: put in yeah
0: and in case you were wondering michael uh the moon is an outer space of earth um that's where it's located awesome thank you yeah no problem what about you dan how do you feel about clash grounds or the moon uh, i'm kind of on the same
2: page as michael i prefer not to play with them but i kind of accept that they're part of alpha clash and i'm gonna like enjoy them for what they are if i wanted to play the perfect card game for me i would just play flesh and blood so like, <laughs> i'm gonna have fun with these clash rounds i don't know uh, i think like a lot of them are super strong um and they have the drawback like michael said if you play it and then it goes away that kind of sucks but this card in like the tokens deck is kind of bananas right because you just play this swing your four silly tokens they die you get four cards and then who cares if your opponent replaces this Like, that's a real cost to them, and it puts a pressure on them, which is interesting. Um, There's, like, a lot of that type of effect in this game, I think, where, like, you play a thing to make your opponent deal with it. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. I'm fine with it.
0: Yeah. I think they're my favorite cards, since all cards are resources as well as cards. They're kind of my favorite way or like early game and once i draw these like michael said you don't want to be the one to like blink first and play your clash ground because then your opponent will play their clash ground and kill your clash ground so if i have like two clash grounds in my hand basically whichever the second clash ground is is turning into a resource basically immediately because they play very poorly in multiples uh they're very easily answered by your opponent most of the time and you hard to get a, a lot a lot of value out of them uh, so i think they're like the perfect card to just kind of plop down at your resource so that's just kind of how i feel about them they're like resource cards with upside in my opinion
2: you also just like lose the game sometimes if you can't answer your opponent's clash ground So like having cheap ones at like two cost one cost zero cost is nice
0: yeah i guess we be the new black it's by itself we can talk about uh the new death contender real quick So, death is a very selfish contender. Uh, So, death gets 30 life. Death is a very healthy uh, contender. Uh, And when a death card, a death clash card you control is defeated, send it or sent to oblivion, you may engage this card. If you do draw one card, then up to one target clash card you control gets plus one plus one. It's on a turn. So, you, like I said earlier, you want to put all of the death clash cards that you can get. I think there's like 15, maybe. 20 at this point like there's a lot of death you can put a lot of death in your car in, in your deck and then uh at once you get her down to 10 once per turn you in your primary phase you may put target black clash card with initial res- resource cost of two or less from your oblivion into play at the end of your turn banish that card so then you just put one of your deaths that is in the graveyard put on the battlefield swing with it do a thing with it sacrifice it again yeah just have a grand old death time so how do you feel about death michael
1: I think this is similar to I forgot the the white contender's name that cares a lot about is it Sentinel something like that? I don't think that's right. But uh, this depends a lot on how good the death cards are and how easy it is to get them killed. Um, conquest, yeah, similar to Conquest. So if the death cards, the death clash cards are good, this card seems great. If you want to put fifteen death cards in your deck happily, then awesome, you got a 30 health contender that is going to draw you a card every time one of them dies. And Clash cards die a lot in this game. And it also, it triggers both on it being defeated or sent to Oblivion. So no matter how it dies, you're drawing a card.
0: Uh, you Talk to me about death, Dan. You, you talk to me about death as I bring up the Endbringer, the big death, the deathiest death that you can death right now.
2: Yeah, I play death the most, which isn't a lot like six games or so, but uh, I think she's pretty good because the death package is very good. Um, there's like five deaths that I'm happy to have in my deck, which translates to 20 cards. Um, it's got a lot of recursion, it's got a lot, a lot of two for ones, especially with the ability. The plus one, plus one has been like super relevant too for me. Um kind of what I was talking about in the beginning, like she has this play pattern against contenders that have one attack, no defense. Um, where late game you can play the two cost death for two. Um, when it dies, you can ping your opponent for two and they draw a card. Um, so basically you attack it dies because they have one attack. So you're doing four, it goes to your graveyard. If you're below ten, you bring it back for free and you get a plus one, plus one, and you do it again. So it's it's two it converts two resources into nine damage. So her like um end game reach is actually like kind of absurd if you hold on to
0: that card. Yeah. And uh, so her big death card is called Death the Endbringer, it costs 6. It's exclusive, which means you can only have one of these out and play at the same time, so you can't have multiple of these, it's just kind of like the legendary rule of magic, where you can still have 4 of it in your deck, but only 1 in play at, at a time. Uh, at the start of your turn, if the portal is open, you may put target Clash card with initial resource cost of 3 or less from your oblivion into your Clash zone. Uh, if it's that special dragon helmet symbol, do clash card, you know, <laughs> plus two, plus two, and necrotic until end of turn. And necrotic is basically death touch or when it deals damage to a thing, kill that thing. And then it's also an abyss, which means at the start of each opponent's turn, that opponent must send one clash card they control into oblivion. So just you just play it, pass, and your opponent just immediately has to put one of their cards into uh, their graveyard oblivion thing. So pretty solid card.
2: Yeah, against token decks, it's like kind of mid. Yeah, for sure. Um... It's usually a resource. Against non-token decks, this card's insane. Um, like, it's an immediate two-for-one.
0: Against token um, decks, it's a great resource.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but against non-token decks, it's like, you're not going to get the top ability. If you're getting it, either you've already won or you're just dead that turn. Um, it's just a two-for-one that your opponent has to deal with. And if they can't deal with it with one card, then it's three-plus-for-one.
1: Just like a kill-on-spot kind of card. Yeah, and notably, like, uh, clash cards with pretty impactful abilities as long as they're staying in play. This one, you never have to engage it. You can just leave it sitting there untapped, and your opponent can't just attack into it. They need to have, like, a spell answer to it. Or an action answer.
0: Okay, cool. I think it's fitting then we'll end the podcast on death. But uh, any final thoughts on Alpha Kralash before we wrap things up, uh, Dan?
2: Uh, I like the game. I'm planning to play in the first... I don't know what they call it. I forget. It's a calling in Las Vegas. It's like the equivalent. Um, planning to play that. Pretty excited. Hoping to qualify for the pro tour. And then, yeah. Liking the game. Cool.
0: Michael, what are you going to do with the money you win from winning the first Alpha Clash pro tour? Uh, what are you, what, what are you oh planning gosh. on spending that on? Another Lambo? Yeah.
1: I don't have a Lambo. I, I'm hoping that there are tournaments and driving distance for me. Because I'm not big on flying to things. I've been flying to a lot more Flesh and Blood stuff recently. but or. In general, but that's—I feel like there's a good reason to fly to the Flesh and Blood stuff. Where I'm not sure if I will—I will fly out to Vegas for this calling equivalent or not. Um, I am really excited for the limited format that comes out in a month or two, and like you said earlier, we'll jam some seals of that. And hopefully, they do a limited calling equivalent for this game because it seems like a game that would play really well in limited.
0: Awesome, cool. Well, uh, yeah, I'm glad we're all having fun with this new game and this little bit of a lull for Flesh and Blood excited to get back into flesh and blood next week but until then in the next week whenever you're getting blown out by a clash buff card always remember mind your manners